Welcome to At Night We Roll. We are an RPG podcast with actual plays and roundtable discussions. This is Jeremy. I'm Cam. Uh, I'm Dylan. Josh. Just Josh. Just Josh. (laughs) I'm Kayla. And thanks for tuning in to this episode of At Night We Roll. All right, welcome back for another episode of uh, At Night We Roll. Uh, We're going to do another roundtable discussion tonight, uh, specifically talking about tips and tricks for both GMs and players alike. Um, I don't really know how to kick this one off other than just maybe coming out with a tip myself, unless uh, anyone else wants to take the the mantle on that one. Okay, so we'll kick things off. Uh, I like to think about uh, tips uh, in the sense of typically for like newer players, because um, that's most of the time you're right there, Dylan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just brought up tips like four times, <laughs> and you're like, "I'm just gonna come out with my tip." <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, you, you do it, bud. <laughs> you do you." <laughs> dirty, very dirty, Dylan. This is your, <laughs> your fascination with dicks. <laughs> it'll, it'll come up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it'll come up, all right. <laughs> Good lord. So, first tip. Uh, <laughs> For newer players, having difficulty in RPing, which is probably like the number one difficulty for newer players, is like uh, obviously they're not going to know the rules, um, but the rules are something that like they can tangibly look at and kind of like read and like it says to do this. But RPing is not something that's easily told in a rule in a rule or anything like that. So I think a tip that I would give to a newer player in how to role play is to uh, begin by just talking in third person, um, which is probably like a good way to disassociate yourself from like actually role playing, but you're like my character, like he does this and he says this and this is how he says it. And then once you kind of like nail that down, you can start to roll that back and be like, well, I do this. I say it like this and kind of take it from there. But I think the first step there is like disassociating them from acting more or less, if that's something they've never done. I think that's a super good tip. Actually, when I first started role playing, I had this really amazing dungeon master. He'd been doing it for years and years, and he'd said almost the exact same thing. He's like, "Let's just talk about it like it's a, not you, but it's beside you, and you mm-hmm. control this person as like an omnipresent kind of overseer, and you understand everything about who they are and what they're doing. But when you speak, it's more like you're just you're you're speaking in actions. So like mm-hmm. I, you know, he would go over here, she would pick this up, or yeah, mm-hmm. you're like God, but you can only control that one person. Yeah, and you only know that person's <laughs> dirty thoughts. And Lattice Morset, God, yeah, just oh, good reference. <laughs> yeah. Dogma, mm-hmm. yeah. nice. She doesn't do much, but she is there. So boop. <laughs> I don't know. This I told um, you she has a great sense of humor. <laughs> and um, so, I, one of the I think one of the things that helped. I don't know if you, uh, you guys have ever if you read much fantasy, but I'm like a pretty big fan. I especially really like a lot of the new like Brandon Sanderson stuff he does, and mm-hmm. he actually does writing courses mm-hmm. for um, I can't remember which university, but he puts some of them online as well. And they're really good. They're really good, and he really goes into like um, like the concept of a character and conflicting motivations and the concept that as as a as a character as you have this like overarching motivation but like you have these like mini ones that come to you and you have to decide at the time if like say survival is more important than moving away from the thing that you need to do and so that that conflict is what makes like interesting characters and it actually gives you like 
reasons to make decisions instead of just being like, I like peace, so I'm going <laughs> to right. <Yeah>. help. <laughs> yeah, the, the yeah. internal conflict is what yeah. really what makes yeah. a character, right? Yeah, and what yeah. makes it believable. Yeah, and you know? fun. Yeah. Fun to not just play, but fun to also be around, which yeah. is really what you're going for. Um, as far as like, I don't know what I've done in the past is uh, I'm a huge movie buff and what I'll often do is I'll pick somebody from a film I really enjoy and I'll, I'll get that concept of a character um, really off the top of my head like Liam Neeson in Kingdom of God right mm-hmm. uh, or Kingdom of Heaven Kingdom of Heaven sorry he plays like a Templar knight and he, we were coming up this in our, one of our games but he, he often goes into like even small sentences like praise be to God right and that's like a cue of his character but listen to that character listen to how he speaks and watch his mannerisms because you already have an investment in watching that character so even if you were to just replay it and re-edit what he's doing with his mannerisms, his lips, and how he's carrying himself, and just practice it. Like, I would be driving to, like, work in the morning and practicing accents just mm-hmm. to try and master them. Um, because I always really like doing that. That was something I really enjoyed doing. Right. Um, and it can add another layer to your character. Don't feel like you need to, but, um, yeah. yeah. And I there's tons of voice acting on YouTube. The one uh, follow-up with that would probably be to don't base your character off of uh, Aragon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or Aragorn. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so mysterious. Yeah, yeah, so mysterious. I don't have to say anything because I'm quiet. Yeah, <laughs> I come from the woods. <laughs> My name's Strider. It's on. I honestly, I honestly uh, think that some people pick that loner type um, character because it's easy for them not to have to role play with it, right? Yeah, so yeah, when yeah. it's for people's first go at it, it's like I'm a loner, therefore I don't have to make a decision in these situations mm-hmm. um, because I'm such a loner, right? So it's like, it's like almost a security. An, yeah, it's an out. Yeah. Uh, in some way, which is okay for someone's first go. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Have, has anyone seen the loner played well? Um, I think Marisha in the new in the new season of Critical Role doing Beauregard as sort of a a loner who learns to trust people. She does it okay, but it's she's she's uh, she's definitely an outsider and definitely doesn't have people skills. Mm-hmm. But she is like overconfident, and she uses that trope to speak. Maybe not necessarily effectively, but she does. She she just throws it out there, right? Yeah, she, no, no, she's that's like an well, interesting point because she she definitely pushes that social awkwardness all the time but she pushes it in ways that are that have a connection with other people mm. like she'll push it when she is interacting with um caleb yes and she will drop it when she's interacting with travis as almost a mentor sort of character yeah but it it it's almost like it, it can be useful but you still have to remember that you can make a character who's edgy or who's dark or maybe who doesn't particularly like to socialize, but they still need to have a motivation mm-hmm. to be with a group of people. Yeah. And if you can't find that in that character, it's just going to be like a really hard yeah. way to it's, uh, play around it. The call to action. Like, cause an adventure is about that call to action. Um, right, there yeah. needs to be something that's caused you to claw out of your hole. <laughs> yeah, and if if the if the clause is that you found a group of people that you need to use to reach mm-hmm. a goal, then you should still be trying to manipulate them, if not yeah. not the people you're speaking to. If you don't give a shit about the guy in the sheep and his dot lost yeah. daughter, then that's fine. But you have to manipulate the rest of your group to convince them also not to. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where, it, mm-hmm. yeah. Because you're not being the lone wolf for the sake of being the lone wolf. Yeah. You're being the lone wolf because you've learned that society doesn't appreciate you in whatever the way you're doing your thing. 
And so you still have that thing to do, but you need to find allies and convince them of something right of your value yeah and lone wolves are interesting because it's like you you didn't grow up in a town or you don't know how to talk to vendors or you don't know about the local politics or royalty but a lone wolf still has a past and pasts are really important when you're making characters because it's like especially in like role-playing games because pasts are everything and you leave the future open so that they can learn and so you can be a lone wolf but you still need to like grow in some way and get somewhere um and and i think sometimes people just get really stuck in being like well i don't know anything about that so i would just avoid it and then you kind of just end up like in your own trope right. over and over again you're more like an npc than a hero yeah. well and i think a big thing with that uh is to when you write your backstory don't write like don't make it so that your story's finished when the game starts, mm -hmm. right? Like people write their backstories and it's like, I had all these awesome things happen to me and I did this, 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 and this. And then here I am and all that story's done and now, now I'm just like, it's like- Retired. Yeah, it's like, you know, look at it the other way around is like the campaign will be like what you look back on as your story of your past, right? And don't like finish your character arc before it's even begun. It's, yeah. it's there and back again. Yeah. Right, Bilbo had a pretty normal, regular- life until a bunch of dwarves showed up and got taken on an adventure but if bilbo already had adventures prior to that it wouldn't be the same arc and it wouldn't feel the same mm -hmm. um yeah for sure yeah so right. i wanted to add in my my point mm -hmm. on the back of dylan's because it's don't you look at me with those eyes <laughs> right, right off deadly. the point they're deadly if you want to emulate a character outside of the movie i want to emulate the character inside the movie so I'll take the character and I'll, I'll pause the movie and I'll say, okay, what would I have done in this situation that's, that's different? How would I have done, how would I re would have resolved this conflict in a way that wasn't, that, that, that didn't need to rely on the character flaw? And how does that story then change and how would I react from it mm -hmm. as that character? So it's a, I like doing it as a strong way of getting into the mind of a character because I'm not just repeating the lines of a character. I'm experiencing that world through them. Yeah, through, through their eyes, like uh, theater of the mind, their experiences mm -hmm. in itself, and the experience they're in in that film, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think I was just more so coming from the voice of like emulating their voice, right? So you would yeah, pause you're, it. you're big on accents. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. I don't know why. I just think it's cool to change it up. Um, like the South African accent is the hardest accent to master, and I've been trying for oh, years. There is a, a video on YouTube about a, a speech coach or a, a linguistics coach. I'll have to link the video to, to you and in this video. But he basically goes through all these movies mm -hmm. and says, here is why that speech is challenging, because your tongue is at the top of your mouth, or you've got yeah. a very fat tongue, or your jaw doesn't move. And he'll analyze the the character's portrayal of the character yeah. and then the actual real life person that they're trying to to um, impersonate in the movie. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, we'll have to check that out. Yeah, I can't, can't think of the name for the life of me right now. Yeah. But it's a great deep cool. dive into language. Cool. Mm -hmm. I also kind of feel like um, it's, it's not everybody... I don't think everybody's going to get the best results from making a character based entirely on story. Um, even though I enjoy that, I always find it's way easier to like make a character with stats first and so decide like 
what they're strong at, what they're weak at. And then I kind of like to go backwards from there. So if I'm like a really strong character, I want to be like, what is their weaknesses? And then actually like build on that and not make them like, I have an Achilles heel or like if I get stabbed by a dagger, I'll die kind of weakness. But um, I play a character in D&D who's like a barbarian and she's really strong, but she's easy to manipulate in the sense that if I feel like people around me are like really smart and mm-hmm. well-spoken and articulated, like I, I lean towards agreeing to and listening to those people and I'll even let people in my own party sway me, even if me as a person doesn't believe it because I'm thinking, well, if she's really not intelligent, if she really doesn't have like the experience, but you know, she would she would lean in on people. Like, well, I feel like a human would be like right. that too. I'd be like, "Well, I need your mm-hmm. your your advice around me right now." So well, you can even play it as like a coy character too, right? You're like, well, I guess so. You know, you're questioning yourself, but yeah. you're not strong enough in the sense to argue with that other individual, right? Right. Um, She's like strong in one way, but like weak in another. But yeah, so physically strong, but mm-hmm. maybe like yeah, weak of personality. And there's not like nothing wrong with that as long as you're consistent with it. Well, and I think that's some of the joy in, I mean, some of the RPGs we played have random character generator tables. Yeah. And there can be so much fun to be had in that, right? Because like you said, you reverse build it, yeah. you know, and you don't fall into your own personal lines of what you play because you're, it's your portrayal of your inner personality, right? So you can mm-hmm. fall into your own traps. Yeah. I know. I think yeah. uh, everyone's probably going to build characters differently, but what what really like resonates with me is similar to you in that you roll the stats first. And then that kind of is like the spark to build from there. Um, and I was telling Dylan about uh, Akalari, which is a an amazing, super detailed uh, Spanish medieval history RPG. Um, but roll, rolling a character in that was the most fun I've had. It was like you roll the profession of your father, you roll what status of society you're in, you roll like what profession you are and all these things. You don't have to do a random, but obviously I did a random. And like then after you've done all those things and you've rolled all your stats and like your character's almost built for you already. And then you just kind of like add in like the fine tuning of like what's his personality and like why is he here? Um, yeah, I, I love systems that kind of help facilitate that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I love I love uh, like taking D&D, for example. I love to totally roll my character randomly mm-hmm. and then try and like i'll have an idea of work. Like, what i want to play like say a cleric yeah. so i'll put my strongest role in wisdom but then i will randomly roll the other five and then like so he could be like a super frail yeah that's a good way to do it like it, it just kind of makes it a little bit more fun to uh kind of get out of your comfort zone of like i'm just a cleric i'm a holy man and yeah you know mm-hmm. and then reddit has those just a million roll tables yeah like they've got yeah i I can't get into those because i could just waste hours (laughs) hours so you can get into i can sorry yes i can get into those but i shouldn't get into yeah not allowed yeah (laughs) but i i I like the randomness yeah so yeah i I, maybe that's a a, the summary of of this conversation is a good tip is that uh, sometimes randomness can help build your character Mm -hmm. and 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 experiencing that character as it develops from creation like mm-hmm. that that session zero character creation sometimes is so critical because if you've got a preconceived notion of what you want that character to be then you're, you're stuck with that archetype almost whereas if you let the character develop then mm-hmm. you you get to become that yeah yeah exactly i know i've my biggest 
times where I've not liked my characters when I had the idea first and then the stats didn't quite roll the way I wanted them to and then like the abilities just aren't quite there and I'm trying to like force like a triangle into like a square hole and it's just not really working. So you were a barbarian to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like idiocracy. I think they're, oh, like, yeah. they're testing them for like how smart they are. And he's like trying to put the square in the triangle hole. And then he like looks over. Someone's looking at him. He like tries to cover his answer. Yeah. <laughs> Don't look at it. You're my lawyer? Yeah. That was a great show. Yeah, Terrifying. Yeah. But like great. there's uh, five liters in one bucket, eight liters in another bucket. How many buckets do you have? <laughs> Two? <laughs> You're not the smartest man in the world. <laughs> oh, wonderful. All right, who wants to lay another uh, tip and trick on us here? Um, I have some for just like general social gameplay, some kind of ideas for that. Um, one of them being that I think it's really important when you play role-playing games with people that you let the people around you play their own characters and you let them make mistakes. And if you can't convince them with words in, as in a character, character mm-hmm. then you should just let them make mistakes. And especially like in combat where they're like, you know, you, you get into it sometimes, but you're like, man, if you would have done this or mm-hmm. done that, or, you know, like it, it's it, people, it's not about doing something perfectly. It's actually about like experiencing that kind of moment. So it just makes a lot more sense to just let people stumble because then maybe as a character, they learn the next time they experience that, that this is something else that they could have done. Yeah. And just, it's, I've, I've definitely played with groups before where people like to put in their opinion on what your character is doing. And like it, it, sometimes in groups, I think that could be okay, especially if people are learning. Yeah. It's a great learning tool. Great mm-hmm. learning tool. But at but one point you should push people back. You have and, to have that commitment to character yourself and the others. Yeah. yeah which and, makes a good role player Better. Usually, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's so, like when I've when I've taught friends to play before, they'll be like, well, what should I do? And I'd be like, you tell me now. Like mm-hmm. you, we've, we've done it enough. Now you tell me because you can't make a wrong decision here. Yeah, like you, it, You're not going to die from what you're doing. So no, well, you, like, you can't say you that. Can't hey, divide, but between coaching and yeah. criticizing. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like, or, or enabling. Whatever. Well, you uh, I don't know. They're just trying to control the other. Yeah. 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 I think a trap that I often fall into and it's something like I, I always work on because it comes up. But uh, when I'm role playing like uh, and someone else's character is doing something, I will often sometimes like come in and interject uh, and bring up like a funny situation about what could happen if they did something else. Uh, and it's something I always like have to hold my tongue on and it still slips out. And sometimes it is funny and the comedy is worth it. But uh, I do th- often think it's like stepping on the other character's toes, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, but like some of the best times that I've had playing tabletop RPGs is from other people's mistakes. Mm-hmm. Like those are all the things that I remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rather than being like perfect and like doing everything like you're supposed to. Like that one night we rolled what? 12 nat ones. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was a terrible, terrible night but for you guys. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, like yeah. I love that. It was memorable. Was, yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause it was just right? catastrophe after yeah. catastrophe. Yeah. See, and that's why, Oh man, Call of Cthulhu is just so dear to my heart. It is because, a catastrophe. Like, it is like, just straight up a catastrophe. Like you just, you, when you begin, that's the best you'll ever be. <laughs> and then it's just downhill from there. And even if you're like 10% worse, it's still worse, but most people are just either dead or insane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Yeah. I, 
<laughs> There's something to be said about the, this when when mistakes start happening in the game, it actually increases the speed of people's decisions because it even though it's like a simulated stress moment, it actually affects you like it's real. And right. so it'll be like it took you an hour to decide how you're going to talk to the mayor about how you get horses from him and then you accidentally set his barn on fire and burnt his whole house to the ground and then it was like then it's like a thousand things happen in an hour because everyone's just it's reactionary and mm -hmm. yeah it just it can lead it just shouldn't be scared of like you know maybe we shouldn't start the fire in here well too late now yeah. there's fire so yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. you just carry on yeah yeah and some of that onus i think is on the gm to kind of like put that time limit on some of those decisions because mm -hmm. um, a lot of the times the snakes will start happening once people realize like there's not enough time right um, and that's something I've always wanted to get as a GM was like one of those big brass like hourglass hourglass <laughs> and it's just like whenever something's taking a little too long it's just like doof, like yeah. drop it on the table time's up <laughs> motherfuckers <laughs> those things are expensive have you looked on at them I haven't no oh, you can get like cheapy ones we have them at the clinic that's true yeah, yeah. but like, not, the nice brass, cool. like brass yeah, yeah. though like, like the finished wood ones with glass yeah it's the glass that costs a lot but if you yeah. just welded really big metal pieces to it so it still thumps angle iron yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah. just shakes the table. table yeah <laughs> Not this table. Yeah, people don't no, know. I, I think I don't think actually, or no, we have shared a photo of this table, but maybe yeah. not the whole thing. Um, I didn't do a selfie this time. No. Josh built this table. Yeah, mm -hmm. really. So it's we beautiful. have a, a carpenter amongst our works, and uh, this is my we, first go. Uh, the second one will be better. Yeah. Well, there's plenty of room here, so yeah. and there's room <laughs> for improvement. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Like whatever you did with this, I got to redo the epoxy and yeah. stuff. So yeah, I don't know I don't where know the yellow marker came from. I'm wondering if. I checked, Matt. It might be Mountain Dew. I don't know. <laughs> Let's hope it's Mountain Dew and not we something else. We hope it's Mountain Dew. <laughs> yeah, I hope it. No, it well, doesn't if, come if, off. Yeah, We've if tried I have everything. acidic urine, we have bigger problems. <laughs> Why'd you pee on my table, dude? <laughs> you so never beautiful. know. I can't believe you made it. Yeah, it's yeah. vinyl plate. Maybe after the session tonight, we'll clear off the table and we can get a nice uh, Insta photo. Um, sure. Anyways. This uh, is what I did during COVID. <laughs> yeah. It was not a welcome surprise because yeah. we've... We've had our fair share of like hodgepodge. I mean, that's the old D and D table uh -huh. over there, which is just like two Walmart like two by four tables with a piece of plywood across. <laughs> that's all you need. It so. served us well, you know, though. We started yeah. with humble beginnings. Well, we didn't even have that when we were started because we when we were playing Iron Kingdoms, Iron Kingdoms upstairs, oh, just, it was just a, a table and and you had your laptop on your lap and yeah. And it we were bad. contemplating starting a podcast then. Oh, do you remember you showed up with some of the gear and we were like, do we want to record this? Yeah, I'm pretty sure you had like, a, it was going to be a single mic in the middle. Um, but, you know, here we are mm -hmm. like five years later. <laughs> uh, I guess my tip and trick is to kind of be prepared for players. Um, when you're rolling your dice, your attack dice, roll your damage dice as well, you know? Just those little things will those little things will speed, speed up, the, up the game and mm -hmm. you'll get more gameplay in there. Yeah. Um there's nothing I find more frustrating than when people are looking for dice for damage. Yeah. I don't know why. It's just like Did you not know what a D6 like looks like you have there's like four people ahead of you, like yeah. why don't you have your damage dice out? Yeah. But that's also you know? with knowing your spells, knowing your actions, and just knowing your character. Yeah, but like yeah, just like pre prepare yourself, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You got you got five minutes before it's gonna be your turn again. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Well, well, in, even going off that, Josh, is like the DM obviously did some serious prep for this session. Um, and everybody has their own style of how they prepare. But if the DM is doing that for you, do that for your DM. You know, yeah. make sure you what? He said he doesn't prepare. No. You don't prepare? <laughs> it's a DM. Wing it like a champ. Oh, wow. You're, I can't do that, man. Me neither. I even, I'd like, even myself, this can be my tip too, I guess, is I'll just write out like little, little side hashtags, you know what I mean? Bullet points mm-hmm. for like side hashtags. <laughs> well, that's, wow. that's usually what wow. I would do too. <laughs> <laughs> Writing's not your we strong point. We live in point, a different though. time now. <laughs> Hashtags over bullet points. <laughs> the, side the symbol you put in front of the short yeah. word. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Luddite. Like, I only got a laptop like three years ago. Um, I'm pretty bad as far as all that goes. Anyways, um, but yeah, if your DM's preparing or anticipate your DM preparing for you, prepare for him. Know your character. Know your rules. Yeah. I mean, have a good idea of the rule set of the game. There's always small things that come up like, you know how much does this healing potion do or whatever mm-hmm. that you might have to look up so that's okay but yeah definitely know what you're going to be able to do yeah and pay attention when you're there there's yeah. something to be said about a small notebook to write down names the names of people the names of places mm-hmm. um things you've experienced and they're, they're gonna give you verbal tips it's it's a at the end of the day i mean you can have a huge map you can play online but it's still like a a game of imagination and if you're not keeping if you're not the kind of person who like hears that once and it's trapped in your mind forever i'm the kind of person has to write that down because i'll forget it and so like even just at the end of most games i'll have maybe a couple sentences of notes but even like to not forget that is so important yeah yeah, and one you can crack it next session, right? Mm-hmm. So you can yeah. always come back to what. Yeah, happened. if you come, if you meet every two weeks or something like that, it's you forget that stuff pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. especially if you got a lot happening. Um, to touch on the, the the dice thing and being prepared, um, it's it's so interesting because D and D being like obviously the most widely played uh, game, and with newer players coming in, D and D is one of those games where it's like it's back end heavy. So you have a newer player come in. They start at level one. It's pretty easy to know how to play your level one character. You definitely still need like a walkthrough and kind of some help. Um, but then it just gets more and more complicated as you play. And like that scale of complexity might not match that new person's ability to like comprehend that information, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like they're learning how to play and they understand at level one, but then it's like next session, you're level two. And then it's like two sessions after that, you're level three. And like it starts to ramp up real quick where now before you only had five spells, you've got eight spells and you got new abilities. And it's very, D&D is so back end heavy. Um, whereas my favorite games are games that are like front end heavy, but then easy to play after that right Mm -hmm. it takes a lot of information to kind of understand the game but then after that it's just like you're good to go yeah it's like a linear complexity after that Mm -hmm. um so dnd i think that's why i was saying it's interesting is because it's it's the one that everyone plays but i also think it's the hardest for newer players because there's so much back-end work after well and a lot of the stuff in even fifth edition, even though it's refined from previous editions, seem to just carry on a lot of things from past editions that don't matter, but just because it's tradition, right? Like uh, even ability score modifiers. The ability score modifiers are from past editions of D&D, which they really don't even need anymore, right? Because you just have your ability score and you could just go off that, but it's like, what is it, 18, you're plus four, and then it goes down from that point. Well, that's just one more step that's unnecessary that you have to take. It's a pretty abstract thing when you really 
think about the mechanics of it it's like here's your stat but then here's your number after the stat right <laughs> yeah. where it's like well what why sh- why does this other number even matter anymore it's like yeah. well it doesn't but it does because that number will increase and if that one increases enough then the other one will increase by one yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> whereas like most other games like they don't really have that right like the percentile systems like it's just like it's all one number and then it's like fractions of that number or you have dice pool systems uh D is like the only one that's really abstract i would sh- shouldn't say only i'm sure i'd be corrected that there's others as well but yeah um the, the d25 percent tier system is is they all suffer that to an extent yeah I, yeah i don't know like i think it's specifically that D has got like ability characteristics and then a modifier from that characteristic right because like d20 D isn't inherently uh abstract um no more than any other dice roll but what's abstract is you have to have one number to generate another number Mm -hmm. um i see what you're saying as opposed to just one number yeah like why am i not just a plus four in my strength or a negative one in my charisma yeah um anyways we're kind of a little off track but uh no it's okay it's all good stuff I'll throw in uh, something that I came across online that I haven't used myself, but it's something I'll probably use the next time I go to make a character. Um, and apparently this happened on Ace Ventura, uh, Pet Detective. So Jim Carrey had taken some advice from Anthony Hopkins uh, when he played that character. And Anthony Hopkins had told Jim Carrey to base your character off an animal. Um, and Anthony Hopkins used the example that he in, uh, based his character in Hannibal off of a shark. And then Jim Carrey based his animal for Ace Ventura Pet Detective off of a cockatiel. Um, (laughs) And so when you hear that after the fact, it kind of starts to make sense why they acted the way they did in in those films. And so I think this kind of ties a bit back to when you're talking about, you know, basing your character off of a a movie star or like some sort of character in a a movie or or story. But then also like what traits would you want to emanate animate from uh an animal that would like closely resemble what you're trying to get right do you want to be uh like bearish or um boorish so i I thought that was unique because animals have very tangible personalities and like how they how shy they are how approachable they are like so it was pretty cool thought experiment that uh i had never thought i would have to go back and watch that again just to see <laughs> how what, much of a cockatiel what, comes through yeah <laughs> even because the I, way he turns his head in the that film that is exactly what i'm going for yeah. he has these quick jerky motions yeah <laughs> <laughs> um the cool thing that anthony hopkins that you bring that up is uh sharks are notorious because they don't have eyelids so i didn't know this but i knew this about the film is that every time anthony hopkins is speaking as hannibal lecter he doesn't blink hmm and that's what gave him that extra edge of creepiness. Hmm. So he would wait until he was finished his lines and then blink at Clarice. And then he would continue his lines. See, I'm one of those people that's like, cool. do that staring game. And like instantly it's like three, two, one. And I'm like blinking. <laughs> <laughs> There's just no chance for me. Well, Tell me not blink and then Bad I blink. shark. Yeah. <laughs> no sharks for me. I love that concept of an animal thinking of making like a bard who's more like a peacock who's just like more interested in being in the middle of the room and showing off than yeah. they are of actually accomplishing anything. Like, that's kind of a fun... Yeah, I'm a peacock captain. You gotta let me fly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is cool. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. All right, any others? If it... Not really. For If it's for new players, it's, it's not a great tip, but I just watched a, a boatload of YouTube on mm-hmm. all sorts. I can hear myself. Can't you hear me? Oh, I was waving at a fly. Oh. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I just watch a lot of YouTube on <laughs> on how to do this, how to do that, how to right. DM, how to player, and you you, you pick up tips. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like you might be consuming this podcast for your tips, mm-hmm. you can also consume other mediums. Where are the tips for you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of the one of the things that. And, Improv is a lot of what comes up in in RPGs, and uh, I often, whenever I'm sitting down before a session as either a dungeon master or player, is like preparing to improv. Um, and so I know that sometimes, like, you can't anticipate what's going to happen in a in a certain session, but then you can anticipate that you might have to come up with stuff on the fly. Um, and so I will do things like make sure I've got a list of five names that I might need to use, uh, a list of like. Um, five just random events that might be useful or just writing down like um food like so if you guys go to an inn like i know what kind of food to just quickly grab so like i just kind of keep a list that i maybe sit down for an hour and just like verbal diarrhea onto a single sheet of paper Mm -hmm. and just have that to the side and then in a session you know you can every once in a while kind of glance over this thing and then as you use it you just like cross it off and then every time you look back you've just got some other thing to pull from yeah, the, the dm screen of of stuff you've made yeah exactly um and so that's always been super useful for me as like a a preparing for improv because that's ultimately mostly what rpging is yeah that's true what i've tried to do in the past too is when i'm trying to set a setting or a scene i'll i'll literally write down like a paragraph or whatever what that setting initially feels in my head right so and, and occasionally i've even read it to players if i find it's really good but it's like you know you feel the soil crunch under your feet give them more all five senses all five right? senses yeah. right you know the smell the atmosphere you know the winds billowing in your face like it's hot outside it's cold outside like get them in encapsulated in the environment right because there is so much that you can play off of and those things will trigger emotions within themselves triggering more emotion will create better characters Mm -hmm. because they'll want to emulate more because they fear more involved in the world yeah yeah and especially if you like you roll all the five senses into like one one theme like if you're doing something like oceanside it's like the smell of like the salt and then the humidity and Mm -hmm. then the like heat and like like all those things being kind of tied to the same idea that you're trying to get across that it's like it's hot and sticky out guys like (laughs) (laughs) well even using cues like like your breathing's heavy yeah as soon as you say that you'll notice that somebody will take a deep breath to acknowledge (laughs) the fact of their breathing and remember what that feels like right um i've used that before too Mm -hmm. i like the way that um Obviously, Matt Mercer is like a league of his own with a lot of stuff, but I do like the way that he populates places when they go them. So he'll be like, you know, yo, there's there's people on the street, there's carts, there's yelling. You seem like this is like not just a marketplace, but this is a hectic marketplace. Mm-hmm. This is a place where bargaining and competitions come and you can hear, you know, money being wagered across the alley and you see clotheslines being drifted from the homes above. And he kind of just like... He puts living beings in new mm-hmm. environments, which I find really cool. But he does a lot of city-based stuff. Right. Yeah, he makes it feel very alive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And well, it's, it only takes a couple sentences to yeah. explain that. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, like, just what you were saying there, like, those lists you gave is, like, easy stuff for a player to immediately interact with, right? Like, the moment you say there's dice being wagered, like, someone that loves gambling, they're just like, 
I want to be over on that side of the street. And then mm-hmm. someone else is like, I want to pull off some of the knackers, like knickers that's like <laughs> hanging on that <laughs> corner. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. Uh, anyways. Yeah. Knickers. 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 Not knackers. No. <laughs> I mean, it could be knackers. <laughs> Meant to say knickers. But if they're hanging from a string, we've got some serious problems in this yeah. city that we this need to talk cannibalism about. Cannibalism at its finest. <laughs> Uh, I mean, that's a new kind of intro. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Knackers hanging from strings. You're like, oh, this is a terrible, terrible yeah. place. That's, uh, that's some Zosser call uh, RPG yeah. for you. Who are the authorities? It's just the red light district. It's fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Castrati. Right. Castrati. No? Mm, no. Crickets. Uh, so in Italy, in like is the that 11, the castrated like singing people? Yeah. So young boys, when they were brought into the church and they were in choir and singing, they would castrate them prior to puberty, so their voices stayed at a lower octave, um, at a higher octave, higher octave. Sorry, yeah. 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 Before they went into a deeper mm-hmm. octave. So yeah, they were called castrati because they were castrated as they were boys. But they were also very known for being um, fairly uh, promiscuous, um, even with married men's wives. And married men didn't have a problem with it because they were infertile. Mm-hmm. So they would allow their wives to hang out with the castrati. Hmm. Um, it's funny you bring that up because not too long ago I just met one. No, I was <laughs> listening to a castrati. There's like a like one of the last living castrati in like no 19 way. whatever. There's a recording of it that you can listen to. And what? It's a little bizarre to listen to. Kind of gives you goosebumps. Yeah. Yeah. It's strange. It is strange. It's a thing though. Or was it a thing? <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it's not a thing. I didn't realize they kept it going that long, though. Yeah, I mean, well, like a hundred years ago. Crazy. Yeah, and that was the last remaining. Anyways, uh, if anyone, or if no one has anything else to add, we can maybe go back into our "Let's Make Something Else" <laughs> segment. Uh, I was thinking for this one, we could maybe make since so much of this was like tips and tricks for players and GMs, we could make uh, like an NPC, mm-hmm. um, a notable figure, give him some quirks and likes dislikes and uh some drama to surround them uh so we'll do the same order one two three four five mm-hmm. starting off with cam five. all right yeah so we are going to keep with the singer theme and we're going to have <laughs> uh yeah we'll have a, a an, an opera singer or a, a performer okay yeah performer all right let's roll with this two kayla um i'm gonna say since you didn't super specify, I'm actually going to say this is a woman who pretends to be a man to perform in opera. And because of that, her in her ability to both present herself as a woman and a man has made you come to her for a very specific reason that actually goes beyond just her ability to sing. Wow. Okay. Man, that's getting crazy. All right. Four. Oh, man. <laughs> Are you worried? Uh, um, you're seeking this um, man, woman, opera singer out, woman who plays a man, mm-hmm. um, because she is very well known in the um, the rules of love. So uh, because she's walked on both sides of the line, um, she is known for young individuals, whether they be man or woman, to approach her in... Uh, Kind of the laws of courting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what she's known for in her demographic mm-hmm. or her, her city or geographic region is that you seek out miss or mister whomever and you never know which side you'll get when you approach them. So it may appear as a man or a woman mm. um, depending on what you're seeking in courting. 
Interesting. Cool. Okay. All right. I'll be one, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three. Okay. So I think I'm going to try and get like another string of drama coming into this. Um, I want to say that she gets into a situation when she's presenting herself as a woman. Uh, either she's framed or uh, gets caught up in the law and she actually ends up needing to uh, disguise herself as this man permanently because her real life figure uh, is um, caught in the law or is being uh, there's a warrant out for her arrest and so now she needs to make the decision that she needs to accept this alter ego um, fully. Did I take your idea? That was mine. Nice. <laughs> well your last I think if we roll a six I don't know what will happen when we roll a six. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> um, so I'm going to build off of that yeah um she is actually uh an informant one her one uh sorry you said a woman mm-hmm. that's the one that was yeah so as a woman she was, she was either she's a fugitive or, yeah fugitive yeah okay so as a woman she uh she's found some things out about someone very important in the city um and that's why she is being framed right she maybe through the whole courting thing yeah, someone yeah. came to her with yeah some need of Possibly. help. Yeah, in, in a, the passion uh, a, of love. Uh, a high-ranking political figure was uh, down a, a narrow street one night courting her, and uh, and now she doesn't mm-hmm. want, or he doesn't want that. He or she right. doesn't want yeah. that out. So they're searching for her. Yeah, cool. Maybe that's where she could be transplanted into someone's game because she's either asking for help or they see the fugitive sign and they're searching for her and so there's kind of like the um the kind of deceitful game of or her alter ego has posted the 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 bounty to get rid of the purpose for hiding as the ego Mm. or someone put the bounty on her Mm-hmm. And or, you, as a group of people, are coming into, and then you have to decide once you've spoken to her right. if she really is somebody who's worthy of yeah. this mm-hmm. bounty, or if her story is more legit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and see, that's where like you don't get to use the disguise role too often, but uh, this NPC would get to roll that mm-hmm. a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could call like the scene like a night at the opera. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a tale of passion. <laughs> Deceit and subterfuge. And it's, it's always nice having those moral dilemmas mm-hmm. from the NPC, not not just like the big bad and not just your characters, but having yeah. your this random uh, NPC provide two diverging paths. Yeah, makes makes things so much more interesting. For sure. Mm-hmm. Cool. I like it. What's her name? I'm so bad with names. Deborah. <laughs> it's gonna be madame something jessica only jessica <laughs> just jessica I, I feel like it needs to have some sort of french origin like i feel like she's very elegant mm-hmm. i'm picturing like a, her a in my mind like yeah very madame uh, julia sateen okay yeah well or mistress julia no sateen is from moulin rouge isn't it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Moulin rouge. yeah yeah so when she uh transforms herself into a man um well, let's let's play off of a, a, a black and white dichotomy: a sun and a day and night. So, if Elune, yes, yeah, and we uh, could have a a 
sun reference as the like a soleil like madame soleil madame like soleil. she's lady during the day and she opera sings as monsieur elune yeah <laughs> yeah that's fun I that's like cool that. yeah especially if you didn't really give that away at the beginning like yeah. i had yeah. to find that out yeah, yeah. like got a little like uh easter egg yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. See, yeah. that stuff would just go right over my head, but that's the best stuff because then you realize After episodes later yeah. That, yeah. that this reference has been dropped and it's like, oh, this is so much more rich than I was expecting. <laughs> right. And I feel like a dummy. It's a win, win, win. I like yeah. that, Cam. Good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, I think that can wrap up this episode. Thanks again for tuning in, listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Toodles. Cheers, all. Yeah.